Hey everyone, welcome back. This is your host, Gospel Nate. Thank you for joining me once again. If you're new to the show, welcome and hang on tight because it's going to be a wild ride today. We will be walking our way through James 1 as usual. I know some people might think we're going pretty slow, but in the Bible study that I attend, sometimes we cover one whole word, just one single word. So by comparison, we're screaming along at some fairly high speeds here. Last week we went over James 1, 16 through 18. We looked at the idea of a good and perfect gift in verses 16 through 17. I rambled on about my car to give an example of something in the physical. In verse 18, we looked at the best gift possible. We were spoken into new birth and new life by the Father of life. It was by his own will and desire that he did this. No one talked him into it, and no one forced him. This means he wanted you. Very specifically, he wanted you. If you ever get it into your head that you're not important, James 1.18 says otherwise. We also saw we were each bumped up in our lineage. Each one of us is now a firstborn. Thus, we have full inheritance. We discussed how the inheritance needed to be taken away from the flesh, so that Jesus could have what is his. He has your spirit already. He doesn't have all of your soul, because he won't go against your will. You must give those parts used for the flesh to him. Once he has those parts, we gain the peace and the joy, as well as the other fruits of the spirit. And yes, that means you grow in each of the fruits. You're not just going to obtain a fruit of the spirit and all of a sudden, you're done. You now have that fruit, and that's all there is to it. Everything grows on top of everything else. We also looked at Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. He was the lamb slain for our sin, so that we would not have to pay for our sin as firstborn children. Now, this is great news for us. We gain the relationship and eternal life. He gains the fellowship that his heart longs for, and that about covers review for now. So, we're going to jump into our passage, but first, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the sacrifice of your Son. Lord, that you have given us all that pertains to life and glory, that we are not shorted on anything, that you have held nothing back from us. Lord, the only thing that keeps us from attaining everything that you have for us is ourselves. And Lord, as we prepare to dive into this next chapter, next verse anyways, we ask for your wisdom. Lord, that the hearers would be blessed, that everything that is in here that needs to be understood by each individual would be fully understood with no hindrance. And we give you the praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting off in James chapter 1, verse 19. And once again, we are reading from the New King James Version. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, this passage is pretty awesome. The beginning of it reads pretty much word for word like the Greek. The phrase, let every man, is more of a let every single man without exception, but the really cool part is the word to. It is the Greek word ice. It means into, and that is spelled E-I-S. It shows motion and an action. Be swift into hearing. Be slow into speaking. Be slow into wrath. Moving your mind, your will, and your emotions into a position of listening quickly. 
moving your mind, will, and emotions into a position of speaking slowly. This is important for a couple of reasons, and I'm sure everyone has seen the social media post by now. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. This statement was made by motivational writer Stephen R. Covey. It is very true of this culture in the United States. We have been beaten with the idea that to have a conversation, you must always have a reply. That all dialogue must be met with a response. When we listen, we are listening to only a small part of the conversation. Just enough to be able to hang an idea on. This way, we have a sentence to come back with. But how much of what was said did you fully understand? It is okay to actually not have a comeback in every single conversation. It's okay to just listen, even if the other person is waiting on you to say something. Let them know you heard what they said and you are thinking about it. Be slow into speaking. Wait until you have a right response. Or maybe you shouldn't have an immediate verbal response at all. Because the next one is slow into wrath. What is wrath? The Greek word orge, anger exhibited in punishment. It is used for punishment as a description. Essentially, wrath is anger with a judgment behind it. Anger is an emotion you experience at some level, whether it is because someone hurt you, or someone came against your self-perceived awesomeness, or someone just rammed the tail end of your car. Wrath is when you determine that something bad should happen to that person, when you determine that they need to be punished for something. This sets you up as a judge. And Jesus was very clear about this. In Matthew 7, 1 through 2, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Here's the big issue with this verse. Jesus was talking about you deciding that someone should be punished for something. He was not talking about determining if something is right or wrong. Here's an unpopular opinion. If someone is engaging in sin, and I will let you imagine what sin you want because it doesn't matter. Sin is sin, regardless of who is doing it or how you justify it. And all you do is call that person out on their sin and let them know that it's killing them. Are you judging them? No, absolutely not. You are calling their attention to something that is killing them, even if they think it is bringing them life, even if they think the sin is a normal life function that should be accepted. I don't care what the justification is. If it is sin, it is killing you, and I do not want that for you. So I will call it out. Obviously, the correct way to do that is in private, not on social media. Warning someone about sin and consequences of it is not determining a punishment. It is trying to save their life. Now, having said that, if you walk up to the same person and tell them they deserve to go to hell for their sin, that is judgment. That is wrath. That is going to cause all kinds of damage. And there is a difference between saying, your sin is going to get you into hell, and saying, because of your sin, you deserve to go to hell. I have misrepresented God. I have damaged my own witness. I have pushed that person in question away. I've ruined any chance that I might have had to bring them into the light and back into life. And worse still, I have ruined the chances for any Christian after me, even if this happens with another Christian. 
Not that I will ever consider this a valid excuse. But do you know how many Christians refused to go to church because they were hurt by the church? The reason I do not consider this a valid excuse is because we are still commanded to not forsake the fellowship. The Jews tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff on his first day at church in his hometown. Luke 4, 28-30 So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. What a statement. Filled with wrath, they had determined that Jesus needed to be thrown off a cliff to be punished. He still went back to church, a.k.a. the synagogue, and taught and fellowshiped. Before we get too far off topic, let's bring it back around. So wrath is anger with a judgment behind it. It is not the same thing as calling out sin to warn others. It is determining that someone should be punished for something while you are angry with them. And why is this a bad thing? Besides the issue of being judged yourself, James 1.20, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The angry judgment of a man, you are an insufficient judge, produces the Greek word katergodzomai, to fully work to completion, lacking nothing to finish it. The righteousness of God is based on his character and flawlessness. The righteousness of man is based on his character and flaws. No matter how good your righteousness is, no matter how good your character is, no matter how smart you may be, no matter how you believe you have kept the commandments of God, because you are still in a body of flesh, you are flawed. You will not always see things correctly or in their entirety. Therefore, you are incapable of fully producing the righteousness of God. Earlier I said that the wrath is anger with a judgment behind it. In an article from Psychology Today, they wrote about an interesting discovery. When you are angry or experiencing any kind of strong emotion, you lose the ability to make rational decisions. They call it smart people making dumb choices. So apart from not seeing all the points in a situation like God can, you do not even have the ability to think correctly when you are angry. So how can you conceive of being right in your determination of the punishment needed? Thank God he is merciful. Also, thank God that he is patient with us. James 1.21 Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The wording here is pretty well laid out, just as the Greek is. Apotithime is the Greek word for lay aside. The visual is casting off. Take the filthiness and cast it away from you as well as the overflow of wickedness. The King James Version calls it naughtiness. How many people know that words in the English language tend to lose their impact over time? You read something like that today, and most people kind of giggle at it. But the meaning is serious. The Greek word is kakia. It means malice or ill will. A desire to injure. Wickedness that is not ashamed to break laws. Sounds a lot like judgment. Now cast that aside as well. Cast it far from you, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. That word meekness is the equivalent of humility in this case. 
the implanted word or implanted logos, the general word of God, which is able to save your souls. That implanted general word is the same implanted general word that was spoken into your spirit at the beginning of your salvation, which brought you back to life from the dead. And we looked at that in our last episode, where it already saved our spirit. Jesus spoke that life into us, and we became a new creation. Well, this is the same word, and it has the power to save your soul. This is talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. So imagine this. Your soul is bound up in darkness and old man ways. You make the conscious choice to cast off a certain way of thinking. That way of thinking is you being a judge. Now the Word of God is able to move from your spirit into your soul. It can change how you think, it can change how you want, and it can change how you feel. This gives you a better perspective on what is happening around you. It lets you reason through things better. You aren't bound up by fear and anxiety. You begin to see things as Jesus sees them, but only if you are seeking his view. You can choose to remain in darkness with no understanding. Which brings us back to James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. There is no shame in the asking. There's also no limit on what God will give you for wisdom. We could easily keep this in the physical realm and everyone would be perfectly happy. But that is not how God operates. First, he brings it into our spirit. Then he waits for us to give him room to work it into our souls. Then it manifests in the physical. What is this it I keep talking about? Salvation and the process of sanctification. See, the salvation happens in your spirit, immediately and completely. The sanctification, on the other hand, is the result of that salvation bleeding out of your spirit and into your soul incrementally. Again, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. As the salvation goes out from your spirit, and into your soul, things happen. Things like saved thinking. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. That phrase, for a sound mind, is the Greek word sophronisimos, which means disciplined or self-control. Interestingly enough, if you follow this word back to its roots, you get the base of two Greek words. Sozo, which means safe or saved, and frain, which means thinking. So, having a sound mind is having saved thinking. And if we're being honest, thinking like Christ is the only way to genuinely have a sound mind in the first place. How about emotions or passions that line up with Jesus? Saved emotions sound like a great plan. What about the things that you choose? Well, with saved thinking and saved emotions or desires, you tend to make better choices. Funny how that works, huh? Now, how do we apply all of this? Be swift into hearing. Not just hearing other people, but hearing from Jesus. Take the time to ask him what is going on around you. Be swift to listen. Be slow into speaking. Sometimes the wisest thing you can ever say is nothing at all. Sometimes a response is not warranted. Ask Jesus what to speak before you speak. That automatically puts you in a slow-to-speak position. You must first swiftly get into a hearing position. These two actions automatically make being slow into wrath a lot easier. 
And it makes it a lot easier because now you have heard from Jesus about the situation. You spoke. And it makes it a lot easier because now you have heard from Jesus about the situation before you spoke. So now you know what his heart is. And if you are wise, that removes your desire to be in a position of judge. Then take the old man ways of being and cast them aside. Cast aside judgment. Cast aside speaking ill. Cast aside desiring evil. You have the power through Jesus to put them off. As you are listening to Jesus, the implanted word of life will cause your soul to be regenerated. So once again, go out there and talk to Jesus. Uh, my new motto has really become relationship, relationship, relationship. I cannot stress it enough because that is the key to all of this. And there are no two ways around it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are more than willing to dispense wisdom to each and every one of us. Lord, that you have not left us orphans in mind, orphans in body, or orphans in spirit. Lord, that your full life and power is present in our spirit, and you desire to work it out into our souls. So, Father, we ask that you would show each one of us what needs to be taken out of your way to get the things of the spirit into our souls, that we might be swift to hear from you and slow to speak until we know your heart. This way, we do not put ourselves in position of judgment, both of others and for ourselves. And we give you the praise for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.